who are the Arctic monkeys or who the fuck are the Arctic monkeys? I should probably, say. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> see. Um, I should have saved that joke for the actual podcast part. We'll make it again. And if you laugh, like you heard, <laughs> I'll it. laugh like it's the first time I've heard it. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Kiara gets drunk and talks about music. Today we are talking about AM by Arctic monkeys released in 2013 under Domino recording company. And my guest is Meg. Hello. Hi Meg. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me on today. You are so welcome. Thank you for coming back on. Now, uh, Meg, you and I met uh, not so long ago, actually, for the first time. I was a guest on your podcast, the Gin and Beer It podcast, which is a great name, by the way. I must say. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I love a good pun. We love a good pun on the podcast. Um, And you're joining us live today from uh, via Zoom from London, UK. That is correct. So a couple different time zones that we're working with right now, (laughs) but I think we're experiencing similar weather. I was telling you before how it is rainy and gray. And from what I remember about my experience in the UK, that was a lot of the days. Yes, it is. Yeah. I don't know if it's rain today, but it is windy and very gray. So yeah. Not so <laughs> mimicking, mimicking the Toronto weather. Um, and Meg, I absolutely had like the best time on your podcast. And I was hoping you could give the listeners uh, just a little bit of background as to how you started the gin and beer show. Oh yeah. No, I'm so glad you had a good time. It was so fun having you on. Um, so yeah, gin and beer. It is a podcast that I do. It originally started as a way of documenting my experiences as an American living in the UK. Um, So I moved to the UK just about five years ago. And about two years into my tenure in the UK, I thought it would be fun to start a podcast. And it was super fun. But at the onset, it was very, very generalized. I had episodes about like the dating scene in London. And then I had episodes about, you know, things to do in London. And um, I had a friend come on and talk about what it was like buying a flat in London, all things that were really interesting. But there wasn't that, as I've come to say, like elevator pitch, where if someone asked me what my show was about, I could, you know, I just said, oh, you know, my experiences living in London, but it was very wishy-washy and the sort of thing where you won't get, you wouldn't really get return listeners except for like my friends and my grandma. (laughs) (laughs) And so I always had in the back of my head that I needed kind of a more of a focus. And it was actually when lockdown started a year ago. I got really into cocktail making. I've always been really into drinking um, since, you know, before it was really legal for me to even <laughs> taste now. And, uh, but I watched the mixology masterclass and just really got into making cocktails um, in the first coronavirus lockdown. And all of a sudden, my boyfriend and I decided to have like a cocktail making competition, just the two of us. And I was probably where we would each like make each other drinks and then rate them. And I, I was several that. drinks deep. And all of a sudden I was like, I've got it. Like it's, <laughs> I'm going to make it into a drinking podcast. I've already got the name gin and beer. I was like, I won't even have to change the name. Um, and so from that point on the podcast is now, I kind of like to describe it as like a desert Island discs for drinking. So guests come on and they pick a drink that is meaningful to them for whatever reason. We talk about the history, very, very, very similar to your show. Um, <laughs> we talk about the history of the drink, um, you know, why it's popular, fun, different variations why it's significant to the guest. Um, and yeah, it's, it's super fun. Loved having you on to talk about the gin and soda. Um, thank you. Yeah. That's basically gin and beer in a nutshell. (laughs) I love that. I absolutely love that. Honestly, for anybody who hasn't uh, gone and listened to it yet, the podcast is great. I absolutely had the best time. It was just so nice to like also talk to somebody like via zoom who I didn't really know personally. Like we met for the first time, literally like via video chat. And it was such a fun experience. I feel like, and also have to give uh, a special shout out to, 
um, our mutual friend, our mutual virtual friend, I'll say, yes, um, Matt, who's the host of the Pick a Disc podcast and uh, was uh, instrumental, I'd say, in, in us getting introduced to each other. So thank yeah. you, Matt. <laughs> yes, Matt is a great matchmaker. That was a, a was wonderful a podcast. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, and Meg, if anybody wants to follow you or find the podcast, where can they find you on social media and how can they listen to Jen and Barrett? So on social media, primarily post on Instagram at Jen and Barrett show. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Jen and Barrett pod, but I'll admit I'm really, really bad at keeping my Twitter going for some reason. Same. Um, but yeah, in- Instagram is very, um, you always find me Instagram at Jen and Barrett show. Um, and then the podcast is pretty much anywhere you list podcasts it's on Apple podcasts, Spotify, um, Stitcher. Yeah. Um, if there's somewhere that you like to listen to podcasts and you can't find it, shoot me a message, um, DM me or email me and I'll try to get it added there. But yeah, it should be pretty easy to find it. And then Jen and Barrett show.com is the website as well. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Meg. Um, now today we are talking about a big album and I'm actually so excited to talk about this album with you. It was actually like, you gave me the idea to be honest. Like I had been wanting to talk about Arctic monkeys for a while, probably since I started the podcast, um, spoiler alert, but this is one of my favorite records of all time. And then when I came on the gin and beer show, you and I were chatting because like we got along so well, it felt very like easy and natural to like do the episode together. So I was like, she would be a perfect guest for me. And we just kind of talked Aww. about like, what would be a potential album that you would talk about? I know you love the Rolling Stones. I see you've got a Rolling Stones t-shirt on today, which is amazing. Very fitting. Um, another great British rock band. Um, and then you mentioned, you had mentioned Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac, Rolling Stones and Arctic Monkeys. And as soon as I heard you say Arctic Monkeys, I was like, oh, finally, someone can do AM with me. <laughs> and I was so excited. So I'm so glad you agreed to come on today. Oh no. Thank you for having me. The pleasure is all mine. I'm super stoked to talk about AM because it's one of my favorites as well. Yes. Okay. Amazing. Well, on that note, I think we should just get into it, Meg. Um, before we start talking about why we love this album so much, I'm going to give the listeners a little bit of backstory on the band itself. How does that sound? Sounds great. Okay, so Meg, the question has to be asked. Who are the Arctic Monkeys? Or should I say, who the fuck are the Arctic Monkeys? <laughs> Thank you. Love Thank it. you for laughing at my joke. <laughs> So the Arctic Monkeys are one of the most highly successful rock bands out of the UK, born and bred in Sheffield and coming together in 2002. Their current members include Alex Turner on lead vocals and guitar, Jamie Cook on guitar and keyboards, Nick O'Malley on bass guitar and backing vocals, and Matt Helders on drums and backing vocals as well. Alex and Matt were neighbors growing up, and in 2002, they teamed up with their school friend, Andy Nicholson, to form the band, which started out actually as an instrumental group as Alex was hesitant to sing at the time which is funny now. That is funny. Eventually, they added Jamie to the group and began recording demos in 2003, performing their first gig in Sheffield City Center. They soon grabbed the attention of the BBC after the release of their music video for Fake Tales of San Francisco and their first EP, which was called Five Minutes with Arctic Monkeys. And they were eventually signed to Domino in 2005. And in 2005 is when they dropped their first single, I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor, which went straight to number one on the UK singles chart, which is like one of my favorite Arctic Monkey songs. I know that that's like- very top 40 to say, but it's true. Oh, no, it's a great song. It's also a huge like British club classic. Like that song still comes on in in nightclubs and stuff to this day here. 
when nightclubs are actually open. (laughs) True. I imagine people just lose it though when they hear this song. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) So good. Um, And then their first full length album was called Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not, which in addition to being a success in the UK was the fastest selling indie rock record in the US, which I thought was a fun fact. And the band continued to grow and gain more fans playing in high profile festivals like Reading and Leeds and touring in North America. However, their original member, Andy Nicholson, eventually dropped out of the band and was replaced by Nick O'Malley in 2006. Now, the album that we're talking about today, AM, is Arctic Monkey's fifth studio album, which they dropped in 2013, along with six massive singles. Are You Mine? Do I Want to Know? Why'd You Only Call Me When You're High? One for the Road, Arabella, and Snap Out of It, which are all really big songs. Really, really big songs. Yeah, I totally agree. Which like makes sense because they're some of like, I mean, again, spoiler alert for listeners, but they're probably some of the ones we're going to be talking about today are the singles, but there's clearly a reason why they were chosen as singles because they're like, they're huge, massive, like sucks. It's, it's, it is mental to think that they're all on the same record actually. I know. Right. Like this is a, I think it's like a 12 or 13 track record. So basically half the album was released as a single, but, but again, I'm like, I'm not bothered by that because they're so good. (laughs) I agree. Totally agree. The album is a bit of a departure from their previous records as they experiment with psychedelic blues, R&B soul, and heavy metal sounds with help from high-profile musicians like Josh Um of Queens of the Stone Age and famous drummer Pete Thomas. It was a hugely successful record for the band, becoming the second fastest-selling album of the year and topping NME's list of the best 50 albums of 2013, and it won Album of the Year at the 2014 Brit Awards. In nearly two decades, as I wrote that, I was like, two decades, is that right? But if they came together in 2002. That literally means they've been together for 19 years, which was crazy for me to think about. I know. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? I'm like, where did the time go? Make, where did the it makes go? me feel very, very old. Yes. Very, very old. <laughs> yes. I never thought I'd say that being in my, uh, being in my late twenties, but, uh, here yeah. we are. <laughs> But in their nearly two decades as a band, Arctic Monkeys have paved the way for many independent rock bands, both in the UK and the US. They've been nominated for five Grammy Awards and nabbing the UK's highly coveted Mercury Prize with over 20 million albums sold globally. They're a massive rock band. Yes, they are. And from such humble beginnings too, just like, you know, four dudes in Sheffield playing in the city center to be like touring, like world tours, like stadiums, like thousands, hundreds of thousands of people screaming their name. It's nuts to think about like, that evolution for, for any band really. But like, it is so exciting to see for Arctic Monkeys. And it's crazy. If you look back at photos of them when they, I mean, it's kind of like similar, this is so tacky to say, but it's similar to like one direction, like the, just their hairstyles when they first started, especially Alex Turner, like Alex Turner looked like he stepped straight out of the Beatles, um, in, in the early two thousands when they first kind of came on the scene and then they all got super sexy and, you know, rock and roll star-esque. And yeah, it's crazy just to watch that transformation. (laughs) I'm still waiting for like my own sexy transformation. I know, right? Where is my glow up? (laughs) Well, Meg, so we're talking about this giant album. Accompanying us today is uh, a very rock star type drink, I would say. Definitely. If I I do think so myself. We're drinking uh, a Jack and Coke. And the reason why we're drinking Jack and Coke today was actually uh, your idea. So thank you for uh, (laughs) the inception of this drink. Um, But you noticed in the song Arabella, there's a reference to Mexican Coke. Um, And in listening to the album, I also noticed he talks about drinking Coke with whiskey in uh, I Want It All. So I was like, it's Mm -hmm. kind of perfect that we're drinking Coca-Cola with Jack Daniels today. Um, And if you want to make one for yourself at home, it's probably the easiest drink we've ever had 
on the podcast, <laughs> only requiring two ingredients and maybe some ice and like a slice of lime if you want to garnish and it. Two Meg, ingredients you- that a lot of people probably have lying around as well. Like- yeah. Absolutely. Like just like dig into the back of like your liquor cabinet and like, you're good to go. (laughs) But all you need really is uh, two shots, uh, two shots, double shot of Jack Daniels into a rocks glass with ice, topping it up with Coca-Cola and garnishing with a lime with a lemon, whatever you want. Meg, I know you love lime. I love lime. Yep. (laughs) So I feel like you've got a lime on your glass today. Yep. It's not the nicest looking lime. It's like one of those where I'm like, oh, that's about to go off. I need to use it. It's like slightly <laughs> yellowing, but you're yeah. like, it'll work as a garnish. I won't exactly. eat it, but it'll work as a garnish. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Meg. So the Arctic Monkeys, we've already talked about how massive of a band these guys are. Um, what does your relationship look like with the Arctic Monkeys? And then how does that translate to the AM album? So Arctic Monkeys, I discovered when I was a kid, I was probably 12 or 13. And I discovered them in the same way that I discovered most music when I was a kid. And to be totally honest, still discover music to this day. And that is through my dad. My dad has impeccable taste in music. Um, And my dad also has some very cool friends that are kind of in the Chicago music scene that burn him a lot of, um, well, I say burn a lot of, like, (laughs) obviously it's not, you know, it's more like sending Spotify playlist links now, but back in the day would burn physical CDs. Love it. Um, I'm hoping everyone listening to this is old enough to know what that means. Oh, and if there's uh, anyone not, I'm going to lose it. Um, and so, yeah, basically, um, I think it must have been, you know, like 2008 or whatever. I mean, like my historical timeline of when what Arctic Monkeys records came out when is is muddled. But the song that I remember is A Certain Romance. Um, I think one of my dad's friends put that on a record for him Um, and maybe Fluorescent Adolescent as well. Um, But my dad had it on... a a CD that he played in the car all the time. And me and my sisters loved it because a certain romance, Alex Turner's Sheffield accent is really prominent. Like it's a very British sounding song. And so I think when, you know, when you're like 13, it's just fun to imitate that. Um, So yeah, that's kind of my earliest memory of Arctic Monkeys. And in that sense, I hate to be this person because it's obnoxious, but I do feel like, especially out of like my friends and people my age, I do think I actually did start listening to Arctic Monkeys kind of before a lot of other people did. But again, like I was 13. It wasn't like I was like, you know, buying all of their CDs and really getting into it. But I just kind of like, I knew I liked a couple of their songs. Um, But yeah, so I I have my dad to thank for that. And actually, interestingly, when I was kind of mentally preparing for this episode, I read that AM was their first record that had like mainstream um, top 100 or whatever success in the US. And I found that really shocking because I definitely knew the Arctic Monkeys before AM, like absolutely. Um, So yeah, I I thought that was kind of surprising. But I guess, I guess before that, their success was really on the indie level. But I just, I'm in my head, I kind of felt like they were bigger before that. I totally agree with you a hundred percent. I, um, so I kind of have like a similar trajectory, I guess, when it comes to the Arctic monkeys. Um, so in Canada, we have MTV in Canada. That sounds really like naive to say we definitely have it, but, um, there's a, another channel, which is our like music television channel, which is called much music. And mm-hmm. my favorite activity was a kid, especially on Friday nights, they would do a top 30 countdown of all the music videos of the week. And people would like vote videos up and down. And the video that caught my eye was of course, I bet that you look good on the dance floor. And awesome. I love that you brought up Alex Turner's haircut 
cut because I thought he was so cute. Like little, yeah. you know, like 10 year old, 11 year old me, like watching these, this video in 2005, I was just like, Oh my God, he's so cute. And yeah, the Sheffield accent, like totally into the, the, the British thing. And I just loved watching the video. Cause they played with, even though they were kind of like these like shy, um, almost like unassuming boys, they played with such like vigor and like such passion, you know, and that song is so, um, energetic and yeah. they just like, it just like goes off to the races with that song. And I absolutely loved watching that video. Um, and so similar to you, I was kind of following them when people weren't, even as a young kid, like I mm -hmm. knew songs like Cornerstone and Fluorescent Adolescent. And when the sun goes down, like I, I, yeah. I knew more of their singles than I did more of their deep tracks, which I think like when yeah. you're young is kind of makes sense. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this album in particular was like, such a game changer for me because even though like, even as I got older and I did start to listen to more of their deep tracks and actually listen to full albums, this one like came out and it was again, like, I love how you called out that it was like one of their first like mainstream successes because it was everywhere. Like, do I want to know yeah. that song? I yeah. remember even like seeing it being used in like memes, like people would like layer the song onto like scenes from TV and scenes from movies because of like the baseline. And it just has so much like power and gumption yeah. to it. Um, there was one particular that I remember with like the BBC Sherlock where he like mm -hmm. flies through a window and someone like plays the, do I want to yeah. know song? Anyways, I remember seeing all of that and I just thought it was amazing. And it became uh, a record that I listened to a lot in my, uh, I guess it was probably my second year at university. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend Claudia, who was my roommate at the time, her and I both loved that record. And, uh, actually went to go see them live in Toronto, which was amazing. <laughs> it was so, so good. Jealous. I'm so so jealous. fun. I had the shittiest seats. I was like, my favorite venue in Toronto is called Budweiser stage. It's a big outdoor stadium. And, uh, there's like basically the seats, which are you're close to the stage. And then there's the lawn, which is all general admission. And you have to fight for a good spot. And we were at the very back could not be no one behind us, like could not be <laughs> further away from the stage, but still had the best friggin' time seeing them. And I think too, a lot of me, a lot of the reason why I love Arctic monkeys also comes from like a very big crush that I have on Alex Turner, especially now. And I'm like yep. really into like his like sixties kind of like Danny Zuko Elvis yep. fashion and just the way he carries himself and the way he talks. I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, who is this? Like, see, again, seeing that evolution from, you know, Alex in the, I bet you look good on the dance floor video to something like the, why'd you only call me when you're high video? Where he's got like the turtleneck and the leather jacket yep. and like no socks with loafers. I was like, what the heck is happening to me right now? He's uh, I think he's very talented and also uh, a gorgeous human being. So there's also that obsession that I have. I feel like your listeners are going to be like, it just sounds like the same person is just talking to themselves the whole episode. Cause yeah, you, ba <laughs> you basically, just, I mean, that, that is like in terms of AM that's So again, second year of uni for me, um, again, I'd known of and liked Arctic monkeys, but I wasn't like an avid follower, but it was same as you. I was hearing, do I want to know all over TV adverts? Um, you know, it was in TV shows. I agree. I think it was Definitely. I'm a, when I actually living in America, I'm a really, really, really big baseball fan, particularly the Chicago White Sox. And I want to say around that time, someone's walk up song was to do it. Cause it is like a great song when you go up to bat, like the, yes. -na -na -na. um, <laughs> and so it was big then. And then I think I just remember being at my parents' house for the weekend during my second year of uni and like, cause do I want to know if I'm remembering this correctly, it doesn't have like a proper music video. I think it's more like a typography. Like they do a cool thing with like the lyrics, but it's not like an actual video with the band members. Yeah. 
But I just remember like sitting in the dark on the floor of my bedroom with my laptop, just actually like sitting down and listening to the song, not having it be in something and just being like, I honestly think this is one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. And again, right? like it's kind of lame to say because yeah, it is like definitely the most popular, the most broad stream, you know, song off that record. But then that sent me down the most insane Arctic Monkeys rabbit hole. Like that was just the beginning of, first of all, like to this day, my best friend that I lived with at the time hates that song because of just how much I played it also fell deeply in love with Alex Turner. And to this day, like I'm never going to feel the way like 2013 era Alex Turner, like I, I still worship him. I still think he's an incredible artist. Um, but like the tranquility base hotel and casino, Alex Turner with like the beard and oh yeah, no and stuff. It's like, it's not really my thing. Um, that era of Alex Turner culminating in him being super high at the Brits and dropping the mic, like (laughs) the number of times I've watched that. Yeah. I can't really, I'm getting flustered just talking about it. I actually like, it's funny because I like, this used to be a regular thing for me, like falling in love with these male musicians. Like it, like Pete Wentz, it was a, I mean, that was like a seven year ordeal. And I think Alex Turner was actually probably the first musician that I got the hots for like after Pete Wentz, it was like, wow, I've moved on. Um, Like I've learned to love again. Yeah. But like, so recently this is a bit off topic, but this is also embarrassing. Um, because my, I, so I have not had one of these like male musician obsessions in like, I've still continued having a crush on all of these people, but I've not been like obsessed with someone recent, like in ages, like since college. Yeah. And all of a sudden in the last two weeks, I have fallen head over heels in love with Harry Styles. Like, oh my God. Is it because of the Grammys? Tell me it's because because of the Grammys Grammys performance. And like, let me just tell you it. I like even my boyfriend, like my boyfriend doesn't give a shit that I'm in love with Harry Styles, but my boyfriend, especially because my boyfriend's like English and grew up here and is the same age as Harry Styles. And my boyfriend watched X Factor when those guys were, you know, coming up and becoming One Direction. He, yeah, my, my boyfriend's called Harry. It's going to get confusing. Oh my God. Um, he was, Harry was just like, Megan, like, this is not news. Like everyone's been obsessed with Harry Styles. I'm just like, no, it was that Grammy. Cause I'm, I don't dislike One Direction, but I've never been a like psycho One Direction fan. Like I liked some of their hits and I, you know, like, yeah, they're cute, but I was never on that train. And even Harry Styles, it took me forever to get into Watermelon Sugar. Um, now I love it as a song, but yeah, yeah. It, was that, it was that Grammy's performance. But anyway, the, the point of this whole story <laughs> is that because I've had that sudden obsession, I was, and I've been watching all these Harry Styles videos. I was thinking, and I was like, I used to be like this about Alex Turner. And so I went back and watched a bunch of like Alex Turner interviews. Cause I was like, oh, this is, you know, also, cause I knew I was doing this show with you. Yeah. And I watching these videos and these interviews with him just reminded me of like how obsessed I was with Alex Turner and like still am to this day, but it's that specific era of Alex Turner. Um, he is just so cocky. Yeah. But he pulled it off and, oh God. I totally agree. I, okay. I also love that you brought up the Harry Styles thing because I went through the exact same thing. I'm pretty sure you and I are cut from the same cloth, Meg. Are we, we it's kind of scary, but I love it. It's ridiculously (laughs) scary, but seeing him walk out in like the black high-waisted pants and the blazer with the green boa, I was like, what is happening right now? Like, who is this? And why do I feel this way? And it was kind of like, he was getting a lot of comparisons to like a young Mick Jagger, which I was a little bit like, oh, I see it. Like, I totally see it again. There was like that confidence and there was like that 
fashion element and just feeling so like right and sure about what he was doing. That was so attractive. I do. I do think that Mick Jagger, Freddie Mercury and David Bowie walked so that Harry style could just strut all over that stage. I (laughs) love that. I love that. Amen to that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So now I'll, I'll try to avoid, cause that's not the topic of this discussion, but yeah, that's been a recent revelation for me. Um, and it, but it did just remind me cause I went, it was the exact same thing I went through with Alex Turner. Like I just, I, I don't know what performance it was that I saw. It was probably some live. Do I want to know? But all of a sudden it was, and this was back when Tumblr was popular. Yes. So then like you're scrolling through Tumblr and just what, like just gifts like upon gifts, gifts upon gifts, like <laughs> whole accounts dedicated to Alex Turner. I spent all of my time like posting his lyrics on Tumblr, just being like a moody. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I totally agree. I did the exact same thing. I'm so happy that you were here to talk about this album because we're coming <laughs> from a very similar perspective. I'm into it and I'm ready. And I think on that note, we're ready to talk about some of the songs uh, that we Let's really love off it. this record. So um, Meg, I'm going to ask you first to pick a song off the record that you want to start the conversation with today. It doesn't have to be like your favorite. doesn't have to be, you know, one you hate, just one that you uh, want to start off our chat with. So this is going to be kind of a deep cut and I don't know if it's like entirely allowed because I think it's technically a B-side. Um, but my all-time favorite, not even just off this record, but of the Arctic Monkeys is Stop the World I Want to Get Off. Have you heard this song? I have heard this song. Yes, I have. It is. Yeah. Like I just, I absolutely, like I can't, I, if they had, I mean, and as you said earlier in the show about how many of like, you know, it's basically like more than half of this album was released as, you know, and ended up being a hit single. So I guess they just didn't really have capacity for more singles, but I genuinely believe if that song had been released as like a single, like an A-side single, that it would have been a huge radio hit. It's just so catchy. Um, and I love the lyrics, but yeah, that, that is probably my favorite song, but I mean, by Arctic Monkeys ever, but off of, off of, Yeah. I love it. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, like, I feel like it's kind of obnoxious picking like a B side. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> Oh God, I'm, I'm so indie. I'm so hip, but it is true. Like it is, it is the one like random B side of any artist where I'm like, that's actually my favorite song ever. I love it. No. And I don't think it's like, I, I love that you picked that one first, to be honest with you. Like, yes, it's not, if you were to go on like Spotify or Apple music or wherever yeah. you listen to your music, like stop the world. I want to get off with you is not on. It's not as part of the record. I think it might've been released as a single, but then added yeah. as a B-side on like a yeah. deluxe version or something. Yeah, exactly. But that's so funny. Cause like, I actually kind of forgot about that song until you just brought it up. And all I'm picturing right now is like the album art, which I guess was the single artwork where it was like a phone and yep. it had like the word, yep. like where it's usually like H I J K it said hi. Yep. Cause of like mm-hmm. the, why'd you only call me when you're high era of the, of the band. And, um, yeah, I mean, I totally forgot about that one, but that's, it is such a good song too. And it's so like quintessential Arctic monkeys and very reminiscent of like this particular era of them yeah. too. I'm surprised that it's not on, like I have the the vinyl behind me and I'm surprised it's not on the vinyl to be honest with yeah. you. I think it should be. I think it was, I think they released it on some like limited edition version of the vinyl that I really need to get my hands on. Um, I actually don't have AM on vinyl and I really need to get it. It's on my list of, um, like I try to get most of my vinyl used and every time I've gone into a record store, I'm always like hunting for it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just, and lyrically, I mean, you know, as we were discussing with, for both of us, like the era, second year of college, like, I just feel like just the moody, 
dark like horniness of the whole album basically <laughs> I just think it really encapsulated like being 90 even though I was not cool enough to be in half the situations that were described in the lyrics of the album yeah, like 100%. I do like I just think like I just remember like walking around Chicago at that age with like that song playing in my headphones and just feeling very like I was just very into it yeah and I think I think Alex Turner penned the lyrics to most of those songs so again that yeah. just further deepened my obsession with him. <laughs> 100%. He's he's an incredible lyricist and I think yeah. when I was reading through yeah. some of like the credits of the album for the most part he was the primary writer on all of them. In some cases the the only writer. Um mm-hmm. and I think you know like uh, we mentioned in the intro but like Josh Om of um Josh Home Home of Queens of the Stone Age. I can never pronounce that, right? Mm-hmm. Um he helped out on a, a couple of the songs as well. He's also an amazing lyricist. But yeah, Alex just brings like it's funny because I, I I read an interview with him and I, he was talking particularly about, I think, why'd you only call me when you're high? Mm-hmm. But he was saying how, you know, he's like, we have two types of songs, ones that are very like, um, you know, uh, introspective and mm-hmm. hidden meaning. And you kind of have to like, think about it and dig in to understand what's mm-hmm. going on. Then you have the other category, which is very like simple to the point, like literally yeah. exactly how I'm writing these words is how I want you to interpret them. Um, and he's able to like walk that line. I feel like yeah. very well, especially, especially on this record, because there were a lot of songs where I like dug into the lyrics and I was like, Ooh, I see what he did there. Okay. That was, yeah. cool. That was cool. But then songs like, uh, why'd you only call me when you're high are, or snap out of it even are a little bit more like direct and like, yeah, this is exactly what I want you to hear. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, it makes me sound kind of shallow, but I do think, especially at the age that I was really into this album, I think that I liked those more direct type of lyrics and you just, yeah. you know, you know exactly what it's about. Um, which is why I think like, I, I have a lot of appreciation for the artistry behind tranquility based hotel and casino, but that, I mean, that whole record is just like a drug trip that I wasn't on with him. So yeah. I'm like, I'm, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Um, and I like, I just find AM refreshing and that you just you listen to it and you just know exactly, you know, the emotions that it's trying to get across. Hundred percent, absolutely, totally agree. I love that you started off the conversation with that one today, Meg. That was a <laughs> that was an awesome choice. I'm gonna take it in a bit of a dr- different direction because I'm gonna go straight for the hit that we've already talked about. We knew it was gonna be coming. First song off the record. Do I want to know? Because Amazing. we have to talk about it. <laughs> because yes. I wouldn't was, have allowed us to not talk about it. So yeah, right? <laughs> I'm glad you chose it. It's such a huge, a huge song. Like we talked about, it was everywhere. It was a, it was on the radio. They played it on all the award shows. It was in film. It was in TV. It was amazing. Again, really demonstrated, I think, like how the boys were able to make this like 180, 180 degree shift from who they were, you know, 10 years prior into this like very confident, sexy, bluesy, almost psychedelic era. Um, and I also love how it's a very British song. Like I feel yes. like Arctic Monkeys have stuck to their British roots very closely. You know, yeah. Alex Turner, when he sings, as you mentioned, you can hear the accent come out a lot but also in the way that he writes. So like in the lyrics of this song, he says like spilling drinks on my settee and a settee mm-hmm. is like, a, like, you know, old school English for like a, a couch or two person yeah. sofa. Um, yeah. and he also says one of the lyrics I love to sing along to where he's like, um, do you ever get the fear that you can't shift the type that sticks around like summit in your summit yeah. in your teeth, which is like something, but like you hear it and you're like, what does yeah. he mean by that? And I actually went in and Googled it and it's literally just Yorkshire slang for something yeah. like something in your teeth. And again, similar, I love how you said that maybe we weren't in the situations as like 19 year olds at the same that Alex Turner was in these situations, writing these songs, but like 
in listening to it now, when I'm older and I've maybe had more of these experiences, like the idea of the drunk text and going back to people and wanting to be with people who are bad for you or who yeah. might not, you know, be as into you as you are into them was like so prevalent here. Um, and you hear it in the lyrics. He says, crawling back to you, ever thought of calling when you've had a few? Cause I've always do. And I've yeah. like, been there, Alex. I yeah. see what you did there. <laughs> um, it's just basically this whole song where you're like, I'm ready to get hurt again. And it's going to be by you. And I'm okay yeah. with it. Yeah. No. It, and that's why it's always been been one of my favorites. Um, no, it's crazy. It, back to what you were saying about him putting um, just a lot of Britishness in both the lyrics and how he sings them. I think it was Liam Gallagher. And yeah, it was definitely Liam Gallagher. It wasn't Noel Gallagher who criticized Alex Turner on some interview saying that he, you know, sounds and acts really California now. I don't necessarily really think that's fair. Like I, like, I think that, yeah, when he speaks, I mean, he might speak, like, I think he he might speak a bit slower and more rock and roll now. And I guess you could say that's California, but I definitely think that there's still at least, okay. At least for AM, I think it, it was just the Englishness of him and of the band in general was very prevalent. Um, I think Liam Gallagher was just being a bit of a hater, but <laughs> which like, you know, knowing Liam Gallagher, he has a that's, tendency that's to do that. his MO. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, but do I want to know? I mean, honestly, genuinely, I think it's in my top three favorite songs of all time, like by anyone. Um, I don't think I'll ever get sick of that song. Yeah. No. And even, and you're totally right. Cause even listening to it again now, I was a little bit like hesitant. Um, I've been listening to the record kind of like for this last week, like while I'm working, just like while I'm cooking, doing things. And I was, when I saw that it's the first track off the record, I was like, that's a bold move because that's like the biggest one. And typically with, with singles that are so massive, people can get sick of them, but it came on. And as soon as I heard the like baseline, I was like, Ooh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, here we go. Here we go, baby. Like I'm ready. I'm ready for this record now. So, um, it was a huge, such a huge song, like just a true masterpiece, like a contemporary indie rock masterpiece in my mind. Definitely love it. Um, it's back to you, Meg. What's another song you want to talk about? Um, I would kind of, I mean, not to purposely go down the track list, but I do think Are You Mine is probably the next one that I'd want to talk about just because, um, I think that it has, it exudes the same, moodiness and desperation lyrically that's in do I want to know and stop the world I want to get off as well but it's much more fast-paced and kind of rocky it's actually um it's on my running playlist I love running to that song but I also just love the music video for you mind yes, it's so, so good, good. Like they're just like air drumming in in the car and stuff um yeah it's super like peak sexy Alex Turner um I feel like I'm just totally objectifying Alex Turner <laughs> throughout this Don't entire worry. episode but it's fine I am as well um, we're in it together yeah yeah, I just know I love it. My history of Alex Turner's many, many, many girlfriends is really is muddled. So I don't know. I mean, Arabella is about that that girl who's now like a fame. She got famous on like TikTok and she's now engaged. Yeah, Ariel. With other guy. Ariel, the one who, yeah, she was the host of the US Love Island, I think. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't realize that she's, was her. Yeah. She's stunning. Yeah. Ar- Arielle Vandenberg or Arielle Vandenberg or something like that. Um, yeah, she's stunning. I know Arabella is about her, but he also dated Alexa Chung for ages. Yes. Um, on and off, so I think it? too, like they had a bit yeah. of a, a tumultuous um, time together. Yeah. And I think I also read 
online that like someone once found like a love note that he wrote on a napkin for Alexa Chung in like a pub and they were like yeah this could just be a hit song in and of (laughs) itself like just something stupid he wrote on a napkin so um yeah I think that that talent kind of it it comes through in in Are You Mine for sure Absolutely. I love that you brought up the video for this one too, because it's one that I almost forgot about. And then when I watched it the other day, it's it almost like they it's almost like they just filmed it themselves on an iPhone. Yeah. Which yeah. I found very endearing again for this like multi-million dollar rock band who is like yeah. ruling the world, ruling the world, sorry, in 2013 for them to kind of like film itself. And yeah, like it's like Alex and Matt in the front seat of a car and and like the the song's playing on the radio and they like prop up again, what I assume is a phone on the dash yeah. so that you can like see them singing along. And Alex is just so like unbothered by everything, sunglasses at night. And I'm just like, I, I love you so much. And like they just they also just kids. look like they're having so much fun. Yes. Um, which just makes it fun to watch. Yeah. No, I, I love that video. Well, and speaking of fun to watch, the reason I think part of the reason why I love this song so much is seeing the footage I have seen of them performing it live. And again, I I can't remember vividly seeing them play it live. I want to say they opened the show with it when I went to see them, which was like 2014, mm-hmm. which would have made sense on this tour because it was a massive song. But what sticks out in my mind is when they played it at the Brit Awards, the one where Alex Turner was outrageously yeah. high. But they're playing it. And I think they opened the award show with it. And when they get into the chorus where it's like, I'll go crazy, that part, yeah. there's just like a giant am on fire mm-hmm. like just the pyrotechnics budget was like out the window they were Through like the, yeah just literally like blowing the roof off the place and i was just like this is a rock band like this yeah. is kiss level pyrotechnics like production yeah. value everything lyrics they got it songs they've got it musicality they've got it style they've got it like it was like a moment where i saw them as like they're gonna rule the world no, I completely agree. I I definitely think that they sort of peaked at the Brit Awards there. And their performances at Glastonbury as well are absolutely insane. Which um, they've headlined twice. Yeah. They've headlined Glastonbury yeah. twice, which is like a feat, I feel like, very few other bands. If yeah, any, it's, I, it's not that it. common. No, it's definitely not that common. Um, yeah, and they just, I like, I kind of, I I have not been fortunate enough to see them live. I think I spoke about this on Matt's Pega Disc episode that I was a guest on, but I am like the kiss of death for some reason for people playing live. Like if, as soon as I get into a band, um, they like go on some sort of hiatus or don't, <laughs> don't play live shows for like months after that. Like I, when I got super into Fall Out Boy, I had always liked Fall Out Boy as much as any person our age did, like everyone did. Saw them in 2009 and pretty much immediately after I saw them, they went on this like indefinite hiatus for like four years. Oh my um, and yeah, similar with Arctic Monkeys, I think I got into AM properly, literally just after they played in Chicago. And then I, like, it wasn't like they didn't go on a, uh, on a hiatus or break up or anything like that, but they had just, just been to Chicago and then they didn't release. Um, well, I think Alex Turner did last shadow puppets and like, which is oh, like with Miles project. Kane, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so I think he had a couple of other things going on. They just, they didn't release anything. Um, and then I didn't get tickets to see them play London after for their tour after tranquility base hotel and casino. Um, and I was really close to like stub hubbing tickets and going at the last minute. And then I think I just didn't, Um, and part of me regrets that because I now haven't been to a concert in ages and, you know, aren't going anytime, but another part of me is like that record is not like, it just, I, I like four times out of five and that's pretty much it. I'm 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 not a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's too artsy fartsy for me and I don't 
like I don't think I would have been because I think that he at that time they were very into playing that record and not necessarily playing the old stuff just to appease their fans I think they were in one of those phases so um yeah so to make a long story short I haven't seen them live I did definitely definitely want to at some point um and I hope that when I do it's when they're kind of into playing a lot of their old stuff because that'll be fun (laughs) 100 percent. hey here's to you know here's hoping for 2022 girl (laughs) no i know hopefully hopefully one day soon (laughs) i think i'm gonna take it in kind of like a kind of a different direction but i do want to talk about my favorite song off the record which like might come as a surprise to some people um but i've always had a very big soft spot for number one party anthem Mm-hmm. Um, which is song. like the ballady song. There's a couple ballady songs on the record, I will say. And this one, like, I, I don't know why it became my favorite, but it just happened to be something that like I was particularly drawn to. And I've always liked that very like velvety kind of quality, the way that Alex can kind of sing in a, in a bluesy tone. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. the same reason why I like, you know, um, Cornerstone by Arctic Monkeys are like only ones who know or the beginning of 505. Like I just, I live for those moments. And the lyrics are so stunning. And, and I and I don't think I fully like understood what exactly it was about up until, you know, prepping for our session today because I dug a little bit more into the lyrics. And apparently in an interview with um, Radar Magazine, he was saying, or Alex was saying how it's like poking fun at someone who's waiting for the right song to come on at the pub mm-hmm. or the bar, or whatever it is to yeah. like give them the confidence to like go talk to the girl or do something or like have a good time. Um, which makes sense now and tying it in with the title, like number one party anthem, you're waiting for yeah. like that, that huge jam to come on and be like, yes, you can do this. But it's also like fun to see him kind of in a, almost like a non-confident state versus the rest yeah. of the album where he's so cocky. Um, and he says in the song, like may suggest there's somewhere from which I might know her just to get the ball to roll. So like alluding to going up to someone being like, Hey, like, don't I know you from somewhere? And having yeah. a girl be like, no, absolutely not. But then going into drunken monologues, confused because it's not like I'm falling in love. I just want you to do me no good. Like a little bit more of that pleading desperate side of Alex mm-hmm. Turner that we don't get to see that often. And it's just, I don't know, for me, it's kind of like being in COVID living through this, this period of time with the pandemic, like it made me think about all those times, like being out in Toronto, like whatever, like I'd be at like the Roxy playing pool or something like that. And like, you see somebody and like, you kind of like make eye contact and you just Mm -hmm. like fall in love for like that split second. And then like two days later, you forget that that ever happened. Like, I feel like this song captures that vibe, um, really well. Definitely. I love it. No, it it is. It is a great song. Um, God. Yeah. I, I like, I, the whole, the whole record to me just it evokes the feeling of a night out, the various stages of a night out. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, I think that's part of why I like it so much. But yeah, that is that is a great song. It's definitely it's not one of my absolute favorites, but I also never skip it if I'm listening to the album. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a. I think it's a beautiful song, and I think it's cool too. Like I would recommend it to anybody who maybe doesn't know a lot about the Arctic Monkeys because I'd be like. If you just think that they're like, you know, a rock band with pyrotechnics, like dig a little deeper. There, there's there's yeah. more there, you know, there's yeah. more. Um, is there another one you want to talk about, Meg? Um, yeah, I think Why'd You Only Call Me When You're High is another one that you just, you can't talk about AM without talking about it. Um, 100%. Yeah. Again, like super popular hit. Um, the music video is great. Like just the the way that they capture Alex just being completely drunk and, you know, the room is kind of spinning and stuff. Um and again, like, I feel like I'm focusing pretty have a, heavily on the lyrics on this album, but I think that song throughout various stages of like my adulthood, I feel like I love that song, the lyrics of that song a lot 
because I feel like I've been on both sides of that coin. Um, so I've definitely, I've been the girl like sat at home in their pajamas with someone literally only messaging me because they're wasted and just being like, why'd you only, you know, message me when you're high. But I've also been the person who it's like, as soon as I get a few drinks in me, you know, just texting all the wrong people. Um, So yeah, I think that's, I think that's why I love it. Cause it's just, it, it's so relatable, I think to anyone in our, in our generation. Um, and everyone's kind of experienced that in, in one side or the other. And I think they perfectly captured it in the music video, but also it's just a really catchy song. Like it's a song that, you know, is just a jam if it comes up on the radio or, you know, when you're in the shower or whatever. Totally agree. And again, you and I are on the same page. That's basically exactly what I was going to say about this song, the relatability (laughs) factor. So I love that. Um, I do have to say too, like this song is great, the version on the album, but um, if anyone wants to see the Arctic Monkeys do something really well uh, acoustically, this song, they do really well acoustically, Mm. particularly there's a session they did at Avatar Studios, which is like amazing. And I'd highly recommend it to anybody who, uh, who wants to see the Arctic Monkeys do something a little bit softer. I almost can't even put into words why I love this song so much beyond what you already said. Um, yeah. I just get it. Like I get exactly yeah. where he's coming from. And I think that's such a powerful moment in music where you can connect with it um, because you've either been there or you've experienced something kind of like it, or you just really love the song and you love singing along to it. Like, you know, at 3am yeah. in your kitchen when you're super yeah. drunk, like there's so many different ways we can connect to artists on like a molecular level almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and this yeah. is one of the songs that I really, really connect to on the record. It's a huge, it's a huge one. It's a trip, but it's so good. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it's, it's impressive to me how like, you know, yes, the lyrics are amazing and relatable and poetic, but it's amazing how the actual melody and the music is able to capture that trippiness. And you can, you just feel that kind of like, like drunk swag and like, you're like pulling your phone out and you can't even read what it says, but you still can't you can barely swipe your phone to open it but somehow manage to send a horrible text to someone um we've all been there and it that song just captures that perfectly i would love to talk about arabella briefly yes beautiful song beautiful song and i think because I think the reason why I like this song is because of the way he's describing this woman. So we already talked about Ariel. What's her name? Ariel Vandenberg. Yeah. Something like that. I'm Who he was it, but... seeing at the time, obviously has yeah. a fondness for her. Um, and I'm really hoping that there's not some like weird Arctic monkeys, deep track hidden somewhere where he's objectifying women, but the way that he writes about this girl in this particular context, where he kind of merges together this idea of Ariel with like Barbarella, like the space age sixties kind of like mega babe is so fun and cool to me. And it's not like gross. Like a lot of men can describe yeah. women in songs. Yeah. And, uh, we've talked about on the podcast before, but you know, in certain genres like R and B and, and rap and hip hop, you might get a little bit more of a, a little bit more critical and a little bit more, um, gross. I'm going to say gross again, for lack of a better word, descriptions of women. But the way he describes her where he's like, um, he he just loves, like in the chorus, he says like, like Lee loves seeing the way she looks lit up by the sunset on the passenger side Mm -hmm. and how like the horizon tries, but it's just not, it's kind on the eyes. It's kind on the eyes. Yep. And then it like rips through into the chorus and it's almost like Black Sabbath war pigs, which I've seen them do live. They kind of merge the two songs together, which is very, very cool. It's just about being, for me, this song is just about being in awe of somebody else and comparing this person who he clearly loves 
loved very much and had a, you know, admired very much to someone like Barbarella, who's like space mm-hmm. age, intergalactic gator skin boots and silver swimsuit. She's like a superhero. And, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that that was really refreshing in a, in a rock and roll scene where like, you know, back in the eighties, like the Motley Cruz of the world, were just like talking about boobs and stuff. So yeah, um, a little bit more, a little bit more poetic. <laughs> Yeah, I like, and I do listen. I apologize if Alex, I'm going to blow my chance with him if he ever <laughs> listens to this. But I like, to be honest, like you, you see how the Arctic Monkeys have come up and, you know, you see that speech at the Brit Awards and everything. Like, I, like, I do think Alex Turner is an asshole. Like, I do think, <laughs> like, and, and these, like, these super artistic, like, brilliant, particularly men tend to be like, you yeah. know, there's just some, there's something about being that talented where you just kind of get away with being a huge dick. But one assumption that I think that we can make is that I do actually think that Alex Turner really loves women. Yeah. Um, don't necessarily see him as like settling down with someone forever and, you know, like white picket fence and kids. I do think that he's like going to be a rock star forever in one way or another, but there is something to be said about the fact that he has had like a series of long distance kind of monogamous relationships. Relationships. Um, I do think that he loves women and I do think that whoever he's with at that moment is kind of his muse for his music. Um, yeah. and Arabella is just a perfect example of that, that we, that we see through his music. Alex Turner, if you're listening, we're sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that I called you a dick, <laughs> but you're super hot. So take that yep. with you. <laughs> um, is there another one you want to talk about Meg? Oh, I think snap out of it probably. Um, big song, would be, big song. Yeah, I think, and again, just the relatability factor with the lyrics. Um, you know, I'd I'd remember like listening to that on like the commute to class or to work when I was in uni. Um, you know, again, just in various phases, whatever flavor of the week douche I was um, <laughs> obsessing over at that point in time, Been and like <laughs> I remember listening to snap out of it, like telling myself to snap out of it. Um, but again, it's also so upbeat and catchy. Um, it's kind of just the whole package. So yeah, um, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but Snap Out of It has always been one of my favorites on AM for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. It's so, it's it's probably the, like, it's probably the most like up-tempo catchy kind of bop on the record. Yeah. Like a yeah. little bit sets itself apart from the rest of the record because it's almost got this like Beatles-y kind of jumpy melody yeah, whereas the rest of it's yeah. a little bit more like dirty and grimy and like velvety and whatever I'm using the, all these adjectives and I hope that that makes sense to the listeners but um it is kind of like going off of this whole yes Alex Turner do we love you do we respect you as an artist for sure but do I want to date you I mean like I'll still take your number but probably I not. know probably <laughs> yeah um but it is kind of him also owning that he's owning the fact that he is one of these douchey guys that we're going to fall in love with for a brief moment in time. And he's just telling, it's like a warning. He's like, girl, snap out of it. Like, I want to grab both your shoulders and shake you, baby. Snap out of it. (laughs) He's being honest at least, which like I can credit. It's like, you know, like if you're on a dating app and you see the guy come up and he's like, I'm not looking for anything serious. And you're like, all right. I am looking for something serious. And like, I hate that you're not because you're really cute, but also I, I commend you for being honest about what you want. Cause now I know that you're no good for me. Like it's kind of got that vibe for it. Definitely self-indulgent because, you know, Alex Turner is kind of saying he's God's gift to women. And like, we're all going to go into a nervous breakdown because we can't snap out of being into him. But that's what this era of Arctic monkeys was all about. They were truly yes. like, we are going to be self-indulgent and we are going to be rock stars and like, fuck all of you guys for saying anything different, basically. Yeah, no, he, 
was more than aware of his effect on, I'm not just going to say women. I'm going to say people. Cause I'm sure yeah. lots of men are in love with him as well. Um, he was like, it, that comes through in interviews, in live performances in the music videos in the music itself, in the lyrics, he knows the effects that he has on people. And I, I, I honestly do kind of wonder, I'm getting a bit unnecessarily deep here, but I do wonder if that's why his vibe changed so much with the subsequent album. Right. Um, not just in the music, but in his appearance. Um, I, you know, like he, maybe he didn't want to really be like that piece of me as much anymore. Um, and right. so he, you know, grew a beard and shaved his head and, you know, just kind of went a bit off the walls. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that was kind of part of it, but yeah, AM, he definitely, um, he knew, he knew the vibes he was giving off. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we have approached the critical point in the podcast, which is where we need to uh, tell the listeners our final thoughts on AM by Arctic Monkeys, and then we're going to rate it out of five Jack and Coke cocktails. So Meg, I'm going to shoot it over to you first. Um, what are your final feelings on this record, and how would you rate it out of the five drinks we are drinking today? So I think my final feelings on this record are that it was an absolute game changer for me personally. Um, it definitely you know, the door, my personal door to Arctic Monkeys was already open before this record came out, but it like, it flew open with this record. Um, it's also, it came out at just the absolute perfect time for the age that I was and the experiences that I was having in life. Um, and I feel like nowadays with how much music and just content we're able to consume in general, it's not, we're, we're not always thinking about music like in terms of records a lot of it is you know just like single like just single hits or songs that you've heard from a tiktok video or something like that so it's not it's not as common common for me to associate an album with a period of my life as it used to be um this is probably one of the last ones where i'm really just like yeah i can pinpoint exact you know i was 19 i was second year in college so um yeah on like on like a personal level um and then also you know as we've discussed it's just got hit after hit after hit and i think completely objectively it's just a really really good album and so um, how would you rate it out of five jack and cokes Am I allowed to do halves? Absolutely you are. Okay. I Then it would be a four and a half Jack and Coke, um, Jack and Cokes for me out of five. <laughs> um, only because it, like, I honestly would give it a five, but I do think for me personally, for an album to have a five out of five, I have to not want to skip a single song. And that's not necessarily the case with this album. Like I can happily listen to this album from start to finish and not be annoyed or, but if I'm, you know, Normally, if I put it on, there there are one or two that I'm just not as bothered with, um, depending on my mood. So for that, I'll give it a four and a half, but I do absolutely love the album. It is a timeless classic, in my opinion. hundred percent. And that's still a great rating. A four and a half out of five is still an amazing rating. So yes. I hope that the, the boys of the Arctic Monkeys are very happy with your decision there. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final thoughts are very similar to yours. I do genuinely feel this is the best Arctic Monkeys record that they've ever put yes. out. And again, I, I've said it a million times already in the episode, but I really appreciate when artists can evolve and the evolution that the Arctic monkeys went through, uh, between, you know, um, whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not to this in like, you know, 10, 10 ish years, just under 10, whatever that was like, to me, that was amazing to, to have them be a totally different band than they were when they started, but still keep, still keep very true to who they are and the music that they wanted to make and the messages that they wanted to put out there. But just the way that the way that they did it was, was different. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciated that. I think it was like inspiring for me because it also shows that like 
people are not one note. People are not just like one thing. And Mm -hmm. in 2005, when I bet you look good on the dance floor came out, I'm sure a lot of people put Arctic monkeys in this box where they're like, Oh, they're just like, you know, these four shy kids from Sheffield, they make good music, but they're never going to command a stage. They're never going to like be the rock star type. They're never going to be the Mick Jaggers of the world. And, um, we've just been seeing more and more, especially young artists now come up and have the confidence to try new things like Harry Styles, like going back to that beautiful man, um, try new things and really put themselves out there and pave the way for more artists to come after them. And, and I really love that. And I think Arctic Monkeys did that for some of the younger generations coming up now. It's an, a really impressive piece of work for me. I am going to say five out of five. This is one of my favorite records of all time. Similar to you, do I like absolutely love every song on the record? There's probably like, I want it all in Fireside or like not my not mm. my biggest jams, I'll say. But the rest of it, like I can listen to it and I'm not going to be mad about it. Yeah. So I was, I'm going to, I'm going to say for the fact, just for the fact that it's this compendium of amazing work, I got to say it's a, it's five Jack and Cokes out of five for me. Brilliant. No. And I, I do. I'm glad that you said that you thought this is your, you think that this is the best Arctic Monkeys record because I actually really agree. And you, you'll meet a lot of crazy fans that will always want to rate the earlier stuff over that. And that's fine. Um, but I completely agree. I've always felt that way. It is. I think that it's their it's a monolith of, of amazingness. And I think it'll, it'll always be my favorite of theirs. Totally agree. Um, well, Meg, that brings us to the end of the episode, but, uh, I just wanted to say thank you for coming back on. I, as always, I had a great time chatting with you. I'm glad that we're literally just the same person split into two <laughs> to have these conversations. It makes things very easy. Um, and I hope you had a great time. It was so fun chatting with you and I, and I have to encourage everybody to go check out the gin and beer at podcast because it's wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Kara. Yeah, I, it was such a pleasure. Um, really brightened my Sunday um, just chatting to you. And also the Jack Daniels um, helped as well Did the trick, <laughs> with, eh? the, yes. with my Sunday scaries. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy. But no, thank you so much. Uh, pleasure was all mine. And you're always welcome back on Gin and Beer whenever you want as well. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto for you, girl.